boy, time that well. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, church. Are we awake? Awesome. All right. Hey, so uh, just want to, this is at the risk of embarrassing uh, dear Kathy Hart. Uh, you know, sometimes in your life, if, especially if you've been on the mission field, you interact with people who are in the Mother Teresa uh, type realm uh, where you just interact with them and you're like, oh man, there's something different about them. Kathy is in that realm with what God has done in and through her. If you want to know a lot of how Beth is Beth, I call Kathy her Jedi master. Um, and so if you spend even 15 minutes with Kathy, you'll go, oh, now I see how this all happened. And that Jenny poured into Kathy and Kathy poured into Beth and Beth pouring into the next generation. And it just continues going. And it, the greatest thing about what you just witnessed is this is God's story. And I hope you know that sometimes we as a church can think this is our thing that we're going to go to Mexico and we're going to help these kids. Uh, and it's a good thing to do. So we're going to go do this. This is not our thing. This is God's thing. He has been doing it for a long, long time. And he has used uh, Kathy and her late husband. They have taken over 10,000 people down to Juarez to serve. Like wrap your mind around that for a second. Think how many people 10,000 is. Uh, and so they have been a catalyst. And so thank you from the bottom of my heart for starting that. We get to continue and partner with that. And so again, please continue to pray for us uh, as we go down there. It is, uh, it's a gift uh, for us to go down to Juarez. Uh, and it's a gift for us to be as a family, uh, commissioning and thinking about that. And so I hope you're blessed because of that. If you're a guest or visitor, we're glad you're here and worshiping with us. Uh, we're, we started a, a new series several weeks ago looking at spiritual disciplines. We called it Spaces and Rhythms. And, and really the whole idea is this, is to create space and then to find some rhythms where we could get into a practice of doing spiritual disciplines. Maybe you're new to the church or new to Christianity or, or, or you're young in that. And all spiritual disciplines are what are the things that you practice to grow closer to God? Do you have to? No, you don't necessarily have to, but God is there. All of him is available. And so what are the things that we do in order to grow closer with him? And so this isn't letter of the law, uh, a bunch of law being pointed at you. This is an invitation that if you follow some of these things, you're in for a wild ride of following Jesus in a more personal way. We looked at studying the Word of God week one. Different than reading, different than hearing, different than reading a verse or a chapter in a given day, but really diving into this book and studying what it really says and allowing that to teach us and guide us and shape us so that we can be shaped in the right direction. The idea of study. And then we looked at prayer. That prayer is, is kind of a state of being. It's, it's less what we say and it's, it's more who we are, that constant everyday interaction with God. It's why we received the, the scripture passage that, that passage that says, pray without ceasing. Well, how am I supposed to just talk nonstop? And the, really the issue isn't what we say, it's pray without ceasing. In other, in, in other words, live with God without ceasing. Walk in light of his truth. Allow him to speak to you. Allow everything that you do to be permeated through Jesus Christ. And then last week, we looked at a difficult topic of confession. 
That we are called to confess sin to God. We sing a lot about sin. We're called to confess that sin before God. But even more than that, there is power and freedom and strength that comes with confessing sin to one another. To receive forgiveness of that sin? No. But to allow someone else to help carry that sin. And so there's power in that. And in the Protestant church, we've kind of gotten away from that. So we looked at confession. And this morning, we are focusing our time on the importance of memorizing Scripture for memorizing scripture. So I hope you brought your Bibles. It's something we're really pushing every week. Uh, we completely understand if, if you think better and learn better by a digital or you're, you get distracted by having something in your hand and you just want to listen, it's great. Uh, but for a lot of you, I just want to continue to push you, bring your Bibles, mark them up, highlight them, circle, uh, scribble notes on there, but please bring your Bibles uh, to the house of the Lord. One of the things we talked about in week one is that you can train yourself to do certain things that you wouldn't be able to do just cold turkey, right? Uh, very few of you in this room, if you've not been training, could go run a marathon. A lot of you couldn't even walk a marathon, right? I mean, that's not point, that's not like digging at you. That's just a reality. That's a long way even to walk, but you could train yourself to lead up to something like that. If I were to say do 20 perfect push-ups, some of you would be cringing like, I can't even do one, but you could train yourself to do those push-ups. If we were to take you on a hike, not like a Mark Shevlin hike, but like a normal person hike, uh, you might be winded at first, you might be wheezing at first, but you could train your body to get a little bit better at hiking. And so it is with speaking truth, speaking scripture, speaking truth into a given situation or to people that are in your life. To take the word of God and speak that into a situation, a crisis, or, or someone that you meet, or a family member, a friend, or, or someone here at church. Sometimes it's referred to, I, as, I have a word from the Lord for you. And that can be abused, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But nevertheless, how can we speak it? And we can speak it because you've memorized it. You've meditated on it. You've studied it. And now you can deliver it at just the right time and in just the right situation. Some of you know of the late Dr. Howard Hendricks uh, of Dallas Theological Seminary. He once made the statement that if it were his decision, every student graduating would be required to memorize 1,000 verses before they graduated that it was more important to have the word of God imprinted on your heart than to know a bunch of answers. You guys with me? And so that was what his forecast was. The late Dallas Willard, who is the author and professor of philosophy at the University of California, he wrote this, Bible memorization is absolutely fundamental to spiritual formation. If I had to choose between all the disciplines, and there's a lot of them, all of the disciplines of the spiritual life, I would choose Bible memorization because it is a fundamental way of filling our minds with what it needs. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That's where you need it. And so how does it get in your mouth? Memorization. 
Chuck Swindoll, the great author and pastor and and speaker and, and professor Chuck Swindoll, he wrote this, I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding, practically speaking, than memorizing scripture. No other single exercise pays greater spiritual dividends. Your prayer life will be strengthened. Your witnessing will be sharper and more effective. Your attitudes and outlook will begin to change. Your mind will become alert and observant. Your confidence and your insurance will be enhanced. Your faith will be solidified. So we're talking about memorizing Scripture. We, we, throughout this spiritual discipline uh, series, we've said this a lot, that a lot of these disciplines, even something simple like bringing your Bible or coming to group prayer, it, it's a lost art. It's something that's diminishing and, and fading away within the life of the church. And same with memorizing Scripture. How many of you as a kid, raise your hand, how many of you as a kid remember memorizing scripture? There will be a few hands in this room, actually quite a bit, look around, raise them up high so we can see it, look at, look around this room, okay? Now, I want to do a show of hands, how many of you in the last year, this is not a dig, this is just honest Abe, uh, haven't memorized the scripture this year? Raise your hand, you're good. You're, you're in good company. Good. A lot of hands. All right. It's normal. It's just what it is because it's fading away. And so as Rock Creek Church, what we're trying to do is throw some serious stakes in the ground and go, we need to get back to some of the things that were really important that built up the life of the church. And scripture memory is one of those things. One of our doctrines of faith, you might not know this, so let me key you in on, as followers of Jesus, one of the doctrines of faith that you believe in is the supreme authority by by way of its author, i.e. God, who is the king of all creation, and thus he's ruler over all the earth. Who's ruler over all the earth? God. You? No. Very good, Miranda. <laughs> Are you ruler over all the earth? Do you know better than God? Do your friends and co-workers and your professors know better than God? We shake our head no, but then we walk into work or we go onto a school campus and man, those people are experts. God, he's out of touch. And so as believers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, Jesus, his word is ruler of life. He is the maker and creator of all things. And so we submit before him. The Bible's authority is inherent in every word. Scripture is God's revelation in history. And just as there is no higher authority in earthly kingdomhood than the king, there is no ruler or higher authority in all of creation than God. And that doesn't mean it's relegated to certain aspects of life where you go, well, God's an expert in these five things, but in these 10 things, he's out of touch. He doesn't know what he's talking about. The scriptures are old. It needs to be updated, etc. And it's just not the case. There's no higher appeal than the word of God in his kingdom. Unfortunately, one problem exists today is that people disregard God's word to them because they think it's just ink on a page. It's suggestions. It worked back then, but it doesn't work today. It's just one of several different ways that are somewhat good to live by. You guys have a favorite historical figure? 
nod your heads. I have a favorite uh, historical figure. Uh, he is one of our presidents, Abraham Lincoln. I'm sure this is in part by uh, growing up uh, for a lot of my life at my grandparents' house in Springfield, Illinois, which was just a few minutes down the road from the cemetery where he is now buried and where my grandparents' plots uh, where they are buried are, are just a, f a few blocks away from where, um, I don't know if like plots are called blocks, but nevertheless, like several graves away from Lincoln. And I grew up as a kid going to his home. I grew up going to his old law office. I grew up going to all the major things that Abraham Lincoln did in Springfield. And so it just became part of who I was. For, for a kid growing up in Illinois, Abraham Lincoln, until Michael Jordan came around, was like the hero. Are you with me, Joe? Like he was everything. And then Jordan came around and was like, Lincoln who, right? Uh, uh, and so I grew up kind of thinking this, and I can remember, even as a youth pastor, if, how many of you ever been to Disneyland? Raise your hand. Woo! That is not the happiest place on earth, I'll tell you that right now, especially when it's crowded. That is like hell on earth. Uh, anyway, uh, sorry if you work for Disney. Anyway, uh, let's stick to the point here. So as a youth pastor, we used to take kids all the time as a youth pastor in Southern California. We were at Disneyland probably a couple times a year. And after a while, Disneyland, again, like I said, is not very happy. And so I would con uh, convince students, they have an Abraham Lincoln exhibit uh, right near the front door uh, by the railroad track. Some of you remember that, right? And it's one of the only places in the whole park that's air conditioned. And so it was super easy to, to convince students to go with me. I'm like, hey, I'm thinking this is the best thing ever, but I sold them on I'll buy you ice cream and it's air conditioned. And so they would, oh, we're in. And so we would go. And, and I remember there's tons of artifacts and stories and pictures of Abraham Lincoln. But at the end, you go into this little theater that's actually probably about this size. And there's an animatronics Abraham Lincoln who's uh, sitting in a chair. And if you allow yourself, it, maybe if you squint a little bit, you're like, that's really him, right? And you begin to kind of hear his voice. Voice, and he proceeds to talk about major highlights of all of his different speeches. And then he stands up. <clears throat> And at the end, the, the curtains part and blue and red and white wall lights light up and, and the trumpets are playing and you want to just stand up and put your hand on your heart and, and vote for Lincoln again. And it's this amazing thing. And why is that? Because they could very easily just like put it on the movie screen, but they didn't. They made this animatronics. And that is because when you actually see something happen, there's more power in it. And all of a sudden, this thing comes alive. And for me, every time that I go to it, 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 is, it is like experiencing Lincoln firsthand. And one of the problems regarding Scripture is we weren't there when God spoke. We weren't there when the mountains rumbled. We weren't there to see the pillar of smoke and fire. We weren't there when God spoke and the ground shook. You see, it's easy for us to disregard God's word because we weren't there. But if you were there, if you were an eyewitness, if you were there to see Jesus speak, you wouldn't bend scripture. 
You wouldn't disregard certain things. There would be a holy fear there because you experienced it. And you see, being there changes everything. I want to read to you a, a, a quick story out of Hebrews chapter 12. If you, you can go ahead and, and turn to that. It's also going to be on the screen. But Hebrews chapter 12 describes this terror, literally terror, that Moses uh, and all of Israel felt when God gave the commandments. Moses chapter 12, starting at verse 18. He says this, God says, look, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it beg that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what is commanded. And then it describes what could happen even if an animal touched the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying, the scriptures describe, that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. Keep in mind, he didn't see God, he just heard God. And just hearing the voice of God causes Moses to tremble with fear. Because it's not his buddy talking, it's not a fellow church leader speaking. This is the God of all creation. He speaks and Moses is trembling with fear. And why is that? Because the Bible is simply words. It's not just simply words about God. It is God's word. It is God speaking to his people. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about if all of a sudden, how many of you ever been through a, a really cool earthquake? Not a little tremble, but like you're rolling, right? Raise your hand. Oh, they're super fun. <laughs> Not the ones that are super destructive, but they just, if they just rumble the place, you can stand up and you can almost feel like you're skateboarding or surfing. Super, super fun. I want you to picture right now, I'm preaching. All of a sudden the lights go out Mama Judy screams. If you were here last week, that happened. She actually yelled, ow. Like she had been shot. Let's, let's, let's just pretend I'm preaching, the lights go out, and then slowly we begin to feel the ground moving and the walls shaking and the lights shaking and you begin to hear Rock Creek Church. I am the Lord your God. What say you? You see, we, I, I promise you, you have a different perspective if that were to happen right now than you do reading the book of Genesis. Why? Because you weren't there. You didn't experience that. But it doesn't take away the powerfulness of it because it is God's word. Many people learn about God from the Bible, which is good, but that's not where we're supposed to stop. The word of God is the voice of God in print. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It's just a couple of chapters away 
Go to your left. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, For the word of God is living and active and is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's not dull. It's not boring. It's living. It's active. It's sharp. It's going to cut you. It's like a two-edged sword, and it's piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is a sword. This is a razor sharp sword that's able to cut in you and really see who you are. To really see who I am. And his word is not selective. God's truth applies to all men and all women of every culture, of every nation, of every background. In Juarez and right here. In Rwanda, in Uganda, and the team's getting ready to go to Vietnam. It applies everywhere to every tribe and nation, every color. This is God's word. It's his supernatural manual that alone reveals his mind and his way so that humanity knows how to live. The intention is no different today than it was 3,000 years ago. It gives guidance. It gives instruction. It corrects. It slaps. It loves. It encourages. It grants peace. It gives discomfort. This is what the word does. So that not only do we know how to live, but so that we could experience God. Here's part of the scriptures. The Bible is God's written record of his works throughout the ages. You want to know more about someone? You buy their biography or autobiography. You watch a a Netflix documentary on them. You learn about them. You grow. And and the Bible is a written record of of God's work through the ages. And can I just tell you something? His works are really cool. Some of them are frightening. Some of them are R-rated and X-rated. But his ways are good. And they are powerful. And they are life-giving It provides substantial evidence of his nature, his plan, his purposes, so that we can confidently place our faith in him. Because we have his word, we're not left to archaeological finds. We're not left to science. We're not left to debates. We're not left to, hear me on this, your opinion. We're left to the the only thing that has withstood the test of time. The only book on this planet by a hundredfold that has more original manuscripts than any other book in all of history. And yet for some of the books that we have virtually no manuscripts, we hold up as truth. And yet the Bible, mostly because we don't like what it has to say, is optional if it's truth. But in the Bible, we know how to live. We, we know how to make decisions. And we know how to worship the Lord, for it is written in his word. He gives us guidance for how to worship him. Number two, scripture is divinely inspired. It means that he was involved in every detail of every word that was written. Not some of it. He didn't say, Paul, I've got chapters 1 through 16. You have, you have chapters 17 through 24. Let me see your manuscript by the end of the day on Friday. 
God is involved in every single aspect. It is God-breathed, and it is life's final and ultimate authority. The Bible is the last word on issues pertaining to God and his will. There is no discrepancy. There is no question. There, there is no struggle. The struggle might be personal, but the struggle is not in his desires. I've always said this, the thing that God wants to make abundantly clear in Scripture is abundantly clear in Scripture. The other things, he welcomes you to wrestle with. Because one of the mistakes we can do is, is approaching the Word of God that everything is going to be crystal clear. And everything is not crystal clear. But the things that are important the things that are life-giving, the things that are eternal are absolutely without question. The psalmist wrote Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You ever been out in the desert? How many of you have spent time in the desert? You camped in the desert? You like broke down in the desert? How about at night? How dark does it get in the desert at night? Oh, baby. It is pitch black. Unless there's a moon out, if you've never been in the desert, let me explain this to you. If there's no moon and you can't really see the stars and you're in the desert, you can hold your hand in front of your face and you cannot see your hand. It is pitch black. Where does most of the Bible take place? In the desert. That's why they're miserable. <laughs> right? God didn't have the Israelites wander through Whole Foods. <laughs> I have some mac and cheese. Make myself a salad. I can do this for 40 years. No, they wandered through a stinking desert. And the Bible says, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my, for my path. I, I can't get anywhere. I don't know where the bathroom is. Even if I get to the bathroom, God, I don't know how to get back to my tent. Your word is a light to my path. That's the word of God. Number three, the Bible is also rewarding and nourishing. It provides us with an advantage in every department of our lives. In family, business, personal relationships. It's profitable because it reflects the wisdom of God. It helps us know, how am I supposed to live as someone who is in business? Well, look at the Bible. It's going to give you guidance. How am I supposed to raise my family? Oh, look at the Bible. It'll give you guidance. How am I supposed to endure loss and suffering and pain and family members that get sick and die and I feel this pain in my heart and this question in my mind? Look at the Bible. It will give you guidance. And not just guidance, concrete answers. And as we memorize and we meditate and we consider the truth of Scripture, our souls find nourishment. You know, sometimes we can give flippant answers to people. Maybe, maybe you've done that. I have. I've, I've, I've just given easy answers. But the more that I reflect on this, they're easy, but they are the answers. Someone says, I'm really struggling right now, and I'm sorry. And, and sometimes, Jesus, I admit this to you. Sometimes I think it's flippant just to go get in the word of God. But honestly, friends, that's the best advice I can give you. 
struggling in marriage, struggling in relationships, struggling with raising kids. And even as I'm saying this, Sandy and I have been struggling with our twins. And so God is speaking this to me. The answer is to get in the word. Turn the pages, read. And there's nourishment that comes from that. Maybe the problems don't change. I'm not going to open up Titus and read all of Titus while going to the bathroom and get out and my twins are perfectly behaved. But I will be nourished. You're not going to have your marriage saved just because you spend some time in the book of Hebrews. But you will be nourished. You know what the difference between nourishment and junk is? Any of you? Yeah, you can't describe it, but you know what it is. How many times have you gone on vacation or, or, or you go to a Super Bowl party and you just eat crap? Sorry, I don't know if I can say that, elders. But you just eat junk. Like, you just eat garbage. And you're like, oh my gosh, I need something healthy. Like, I need a salad. I need some roughage. I need something, vegetable, fruit, because all I've done is eat this garbage. You know what nourishment is. It's the same thing with the word of God. So that is in part the Bible. And, and so why is it important to memorize these things? Remember we started with our own spiritual training so that we can speak over a situation, we can speak over people. Someone comes into our life, they're struggling, or they come to us with a problem and we're like, God, I don't know how to help you with your problem. But I know a scripture I know something that can give you hope. I, I know something that's not of Brian, but it is of God, so I'm gonna give that to you. We started with that. How do we do that? How do we speak over a person that's in crisis? Because you all know this as well. It's not something that comes natural. How many times have you been in a situation or a problem and you don't know what to say? Raise your hand. I hope every hand's up. We've all been there where it's like, I got nothing. And sometimes that's okay to someone. It's okay to look to someone and go, I have no answers, but I'll sit with you. Sometimes that's all they need. But sometimes they need some truth spoken to them. Quickly, we're going to look at two extreme examples in the evangelical circles when it comes to the matter of speaking into the events and people who cross our lives. On one hand, many emphasize studying scripture, learning what it says, memorizing it, but they don't actually teach how to speak it. It's like tons of Bible studies, tons of lessons, tons of scripture memory, but then what do I do with it? And we miss that component of it. And as a result, we find believers who are very biblically literate. They know their Bibles, but they're powerless when it comes to dealing with adversity, circumstances, mountains, if you would, in your life. How do I apply that to the mountains in my life? On the other hand, Many evangelical circles also emphasize speaking over circumstances, and they say, teach this, say these things that are inconsistent with God's word, because I heard someone else say it, or it sounds good in the moment, and so we speak these things just flippantly, and those are equally powerless. And so let me be clear. How can you be sure that the words that you are speaking to your mountain or maybe the mountain of someone down the, the row from you that, that comes to you with their problem. 
Maybe life has dealt them a really raw hand or, or maybe their own sin has created this circumstance. How do you speak truth to someone? To your kids? To the people in your life? How can you be confident that your faith is in God and not in your own words? And here's the key, and this is really powerful. This is why it's so important to memorize scripture. Because your words must be aligned with scripture. If someone comes to you for godly advice, your words, your advice, your direction must be aligned with the scriptures. Otherwise, guess what advice they're getting? Yours. And how smart are you? How perfect is your wisdom? Uh, let me ask you this. How many years has your wisdom withstood the test of time? Thousands and thousands? Or 40? How perfect is your marriage? How perfect are your relationships? How perfect are your finances? How, how perfect are, is your mental health? Do, do you really want to give someone your advice? Or do you want to give them God's advice? Do you want your words to be yours? Or do you want God to speak through you and allow them to be his? Because honestly, the most of the time when we get into trouble is when we're speaking and there are words. But if you aren't in the word, if you're not reading, if you're not memorizing, if you're not indwelling in the word of God, then how can you possibly speak God's truth to another person? To your own crisis? To your own obstacle? How can you speak into those situations? Saying whatever you want isn't going to move mountains. Merely knowing what Scripture says won't move mountains. But you can overcome the big challenges of your life and the crises of people in your life by speaking the truths of Scripture directly into that situation. The Bible says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it whenever it's convenient. Some of you are like, dude, I like that verse. That is not what it says. It says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. Friends, Rock Creek Church, our leadership, our pastoral staff, we are pushing the bar. Not to be legalistic. Not to point a finger at you. Not to say you're doing it wrong. Not to say you're not welcome here if you don't do X, Y, and Z, but we're pushing the bar because we want so much more for you. We desire so much more than for you to casually read a verse here and there. Why? So that we can just highlight and champion the fact that you're a really strong disciple of Jesus? No. 
but it's our job as pastors and elders to prepare you for heaven and to live a life of a disciple of Jesus before you get there. And there is so much more for you to be had. There is so much more waiting for you. Jesus says that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You don't live by money. You don't live by your success. You don't live by your possessions. You don't live by just your friends. You don't live by your nice house. You don't live by people thinking you're a really nice person. You live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So let us continue to train the, the spiritual disciplines. And may the meditation and memorizing of Scripture be a key component to that training. It's hard. Start with a small verse. Jesus wept. Start with something small. Don't, don't get this like crazy big passage because you'll just feel defeated. Get a nice short one. Get some wins under your belt. You know, when a team is in its slump, a little sports analogy for you. Sorry, Alex, just keep doing your thing. A little sports analogy. You know, when a team stinks, you just want to beat anybody. It doesn't matter if you're an NFL team and you haven't won anything. Like, let's play the, the freshman high school team down the road. We have to beat somebody. If you've never memorized scripture or if it's been a long time, don't start with a, the whole book of Philippians. Start with something small. Get that win and then grab another one. And just keep memorizing it. And I promise you, I give you my word, God will use that scripture that is embedded in your heart in your life situations. And he will probably use it to give it to someone else. Because that's what Jesus did. Let's pray together. So God, I want to thank you for this book. Thank you that this book has changed my life. I thank you that this book introduced me to a relationship with you, Jesus. And it turned a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. I thank you that these words have saved my marriage. I thank you that these words give guidance to my parenting. I, I thank you that, that these words give direction to my pastoring, to my own personal life, to my friendships, for my interaction with strangers, and most importantly, how to strengthen and grow in my relationship with you. Jesus, we just acknowledge you right here in this place. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. There is no name above your name. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that you are Lord. And you will come and you will bring a new heaven and a new earth. And you will write on our hearts a brand new name that is special just between us and you. And you will give us a new body 
and there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more illnesses, no more fragmented relationships, no more cutting words, no more war, no more destruction, only you. And so in the name of Jesus, and by the power of your great Holy Spirit, would you envelop us now as we come and continue to worship you, great God in song. For your word says for your people to come to you with hymns and great singing, with shouts of praise, and that you will meet your people. And your word also says that you hover, looking around this whole world, looking for those who will worship you in spirit and in truth. And that when you do find that, you will stop and hover. Please, may we be that place. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.